morning. How about you stand up to your feet? My name is Ishmael Lopez. I'm one of the elders here at Metro Praise, and it's such an honor to be here with you guys and worship the Lord together. Uh, I have a verse, Philippians 4, 6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request unto the Lord, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an awesome verse? Let me tell you something. About four years ago, my wife and I were pregnant. It was our first pregnancy. And there was little twins in there. And then uh, after about 12 weeks of pregnancy, they just didn't make it. You know, it was an, we had a miscarriage. And that was probably the most difficult time of my, you know, adult life, was to go through something like that. But then the Lord brought me back to that verse I just shared with you. And I really had to put my anxiety, my worry, my sadness, and I said, Lord, it's yours. In prayer, it's yours. I give it to you. In, in, in lifestyle and in, in, in attitude, I give that to you. I give everything, every pain, every, uh, uh, what, you know, being a feeling like it was just, you guys can imagine just a feeling. I say, Lord, I give that to you. And then that verse really became true in my life, you know. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. See, I got a peace in my heart that I could, I, could, I didn't even understand. <laughs> it was like, where is this peace coming from? Where, how, and why, why even through the midst of uh, darkness and just, you know, a loss such as that, how can I have peace? And it's, it, it was that verse that enlightened me and said it was God. Amen? So what I'm saying to you today is let God be your peace. Amen? Let God be your joy. I can smile again. Hallelujah. I can laugh again. I can, you know what? I almost feel like running around this place right now. But I won't do it because I'm out of shape. But let's just lift up our hands right now and just worship the Lord. Just get ready. Father God, you are so good. We exalt your mighty name. All of our anxieties, come on, just lift up your hands, pray, don't be shy. All of our anxieties we place on you. All of our worries, all of our shame, all of our doubt. Lord God, we just place on you right now. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us, God. And we receive your promise of peace. We receive your promise of joy. Father God, make us smile again. Make us laugh again. Father God, we worship you today. Be glorified. Be magnified in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Hallelujah. You put your hands together for Jesus in this place. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. How many are already excited this morning to worship Jesus? Come on. I'm looking around. I'm seeing all these lovely places that God has made. I mean, this first song is called In Your Light, and it talks about us as a people. God's people being in the light of the Lord, and he's turned our darkness, come on, into light. He's turned those hard times into joy, just as the testimony of Ishmael has shared. So guess what we get to do right now? We get to sing about it, because each one of us in our own life, come on, you may have not been through something that Ishmael has been through, but you got something going on, and God is still good. God is still faithful, amen? So we're about ready to sing this song. Here we go. Put your hands together. 
Come and sing in your life. Here we go. In your life, I find my strength. In your truth, I overcome. In your grace, I lose myself. In your love, sing it out. Hallelujah. 
want to share something with you that kind of blessed my heart and, and just worshiping the Lord. Sometimes I thought that, man, that if I shout loud enough, maybe God would hear me. That maybe sometimes that I'm not feeling like as excited as everybody else because I'm not shouting loud enough, so I shouted louder. I mean, I was a hollower. Hallelujah. Amen. But then I got to a passage in the Bible that says that he's with us. You don't have to beg God to come. He's here. Isn't that awesome? That right now, without you noticing, you're probably thinking like, man, the band could have sang this song or sang that song, but he's here right now. God. Oh, come on. Let's just turn our attention and say, God, that's something to shout for. God, that's something to praise you for, God, that you show up in these meetings right now. God, even if I can't even feel you, God, I know by faith that you're here. And God, if I'm walking on faith, and I have faith, God, because your word calls me to it. God, we bless you, God. We love you because you meet with us consistently. You're a good God, and you show your love to us, God. Rouch, we just pray right now, just in our hearts, God, you would just overflow us with your love. Come on, would you just say, God, overflow me with your love. Come on, we want to know you, God. Not just because we shout the loudest, because in our hearts, our hearts can sing, God. Our hearts can bear witness and testimony, God, that you're a real God. Come on, all across this place, maybe you don't have that testimony, but right now, in this time of worship, God is here and he wants to discover you. Come on, he wants to show you this. So right now, just in a heart of surrender, just in a heart of saying, God, I'm open to it. I want you, God. I know that you're here. Grace by your age. 
the Lord just gave me this illustration some of us are finding a finding it a hard time to worship God we're just struggling when we come to these times we're like man I can't just get into it like some of you guys can and I was worshiping I'm like man God how can I how can I convince them like how can I tell them God that you're worthy and he said Adam open your eyes look and when I did I just saw a whole bunch of people with a whole bunch of stories some of the things that probably went on in your life, I'm like, man, they're here. And then I heard the praise coming out of your mouth. He said, I did it for them. You don't need more proof. And I'm looking at people. I'm looking at faces that no, there's no other reason. There's no other way that you can be here and shouting out and praising God. If there wasn't a God, if he didn't save you, if he didn't keep his word, if he wasn't faithful to you. So right now, an attitude of worship with all eyes closed. Would you just lift your hands right now and say, God, I'm just going to surrender. God, I'm not going to try to figure everything out. I don't have to know it all. But I come to you and I praise you and worship you and know that you are God. I surrender in these times of worship. God, help those right now, God, that are struggling in their times of worship. God, give them a heart of David to worship through it. Come on, church. Just as a body, just as we can encourage one another. Just begin to encourage one another through your praise. Come on. With your praise coming from your heart. God, you've been faithful time and time again. God, when I turn my back on you, God, you are still faithful enough. Jesus, you died on the cross. And your power and your love has sets me free from sin. Come on. God, you come through time and time again. Oh, Lord. And God, even if I'm still holding on, Come on, even if you're still holding on, God, you're faithful, and you're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're worthy, Lord. 
Hallelujah, God. We bless your name. Oh, God, thank you for meeting with us. God, we know that what you want to do in these services, God, we can't even contain sometimes, God. Your glory, Lord. But, God, we just ask right now in this time, God, you would just speak to us. Come on, here at Metro Praise, we believe that God is, is alive and he wants to speak to his people. Amen. What good is it if we come together and we just pray to someone who can't hear us? But we pray to someone who can hear us and responds. Come on, and he talks. So right now, we're just going to leave time for this Holy Ghost to just use you. Come on, God, fill us with words, prophetic words. God, build up your church. God, we leave you this time to use people, God. Speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. in you, God. We rejoice in you, God. We rejoice in you, knowing you. up to us, God. Come on, we're going to respond to that word in this place. Come on. Reveal to us your word, God. We submit ourselves. God, we won't get tired of, of wanting not to submit. God, we'll humble ourselves right now just so all in this place in the attitude of worship. This is what we're going to do. We're going to humble ourselves before the Lord. He's a king. Amen. Right now, you just do that right now, saying, God, in my heart. Come on, some of you might want to get to your knees. Some of you want to lift your hands. Whatever you do, whatever your posture is in worship right now, humble yourself. Say, God, you are king. Come on, just exalt his name. Just say who he is in this place. Just let it be your worship right now. God, you are almighty, God. You are awesome. There is no one like you, Lord. We bless your name. respond to you. We want you to show up in these, in these meetings, in our services, God. Oh, yeah. Come on, we're going to close this time in worship with this last song, sing that God is worthy of it all. Amen. Oh, Jesus. You're worthy of it all. 
of all the areas of my life. You're worthy, God. Because if I try to do anything out of my own, it will not be no good. But Lord, we say this morning you are worthy to have it all. We want you to take control. We want you to be Christ in us so the world may see that Christ is real, that you have died on a cross, that you were buried and you rose from the death, and now you live in us. Just now think about three things that you want to give to the Lord, three things that you want to give to him because he's worthy to have. Just take two seconds. Think about those things. In my case, he's worthy of my job. I might complain at times, but Jesus, I let you have it. I will let you be Christ in my job. Hallelujah, Jesus. Just tell him right now, you're worthy. I give you this area of my life. I give you my family. I give you my relationships. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for your, for your great words of prophecy, Lord. And we ask you, God, that you will bless this morning with your words, God. Father, that every person here, God, would encounter, that every person here would know that you are real when they walk out of these doors, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray this, God. Be glorified. Have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless him, bless him, bless him. If you can please have a seat. As we get ready for the gospel presentation. Before we get to the gospel presentation, I want to take a moment to inform you that October was a month of past appreciation behalf of myself and my wife, Chrisella, I'm Pastor Berto, campus pastor here at the Metro Praise International Reese Park. And on behalf of all the pastors here at MPI and all the elders and deacons, Pastor Joe and Nancy, we want to say from the bottom of our hearts, we're, we're thankful Amen. for all that you've done for us, all for being obedient to the Lord, for pouring into our life, for the text messages, for the emails, for the messages on Facebook, for the preaching, for the mentorship, for the discipleship, for the encouragement, for the corrections, for the rebukes, all the things that you did for us, Pastor Joe and Nancy, has affected us and has spared fruit. So we want to thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Church, today, this week, as you find yourself to your life groups, take a moment to thank your life group uh, pastor there and just thank him. Thank them. Tell them you appreciate them. Tell them you're thankful. Amen? Amen. Where is your seed is the title of this message. And we can turn to Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Where is your seed? Luke 8, verse 4 reads, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. 
other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up and yielded crop a hundred times more than was sold. When he said this, he called out, He who has ear to hear, let him hear. Let's go down to verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Today, today they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are shook by life's worries, riches, and pleasures that they did not mature. But the seed of a good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. Amen. In this passage, Jesus is talking about four different types of people that after they receive the gospel, after they hear the teachings of Jesus, after you hear the presentation here and the presentation later on by Pastor Joe and all that has been presented by the word of God to individuals. There are four different types of people that receive the word. The first one is the one that receives them on the path. That is the person that sees the ways of the world's philosophy. This person is the one that hears it and the devil comes and takes it away, takes away the word from their heart so they may not believe and not be saved. If that is you, you might be that person that the person will come and tell you Jesus is not real. He's a man in history. Church is fake. It's just an illusion. Hell does not exist. Everybody goes to heaven if you're just a good person. Let me tell you that those are lies. Those are not truth words. Those are the worst philosophies. Those are the worst beliefs. The good news is this, that in 2 Corinthians verse 3, verses 14, and 16 says, that the, but their minds were made dual for this day, and the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only Christ is it takes, takes t Christ it is taken away. Excuse me. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Amen. That means that today you can tell Jesus, take away my veil, so I may not believe the lies. Take away the veils that I may not believe the things that the world teaches, but let me believe your truth. The good news is that we are a disciple-based church, and you can be connected to a, um, one of our life group leaders. Savler and Jessica will be staying up there after the, after the word, and they want to pray for you. They want to let you know that, you know what? You can learn and receive the truth that Jesus Christ, that he was buried, amen, that he was crucified. And he rose from the death for our sins so we may have life in heaven and not in hell. There is a true hell that exists. And Jesus came so he can, he, he, you can live in eternal heaven with him. Right now during our, our, our life groups, we're talking about the truth project. Perfect opportunity. The second person that Jesus talks about is the one that receives the word among the rocks. That is the religious shallow. These are the ones who, when they hear and receive the word with joy, but these have, they have no root to it. They believe for a while, and then they fall away in the times of temptation. For example, there might have been a time where you served the Lord. You were just reading your word. You were just feeling Jesus. You were worshiping Jesus. You were praying. You were doing the thing for God. And all of a sudden, temptations came, and you fell into adultery. You fell into drunkenness. You fell into backsliding. You fell, uh, backbiting. You fell into gossiping and slandering and hatred and anger. 
the good news is this, that if you're I'm on that path, that is you. Luke, excuse me, Revelations 22, verse 17 says, The spirit of the bride says, come, and let him here say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus wants to offer you life once again. If you have backsliding, if, you have, if, you're, if, you're, if you're still tumbling there and, and playing with sin and, and, and loving sin, Jesus has not made you to live that type of life. He says, come, the bride of Christ, come, and I will fill you with life. I will give you eternal life. I want to fill you with the everlasting rivers of life. That is Jesus. Amen? The third person Jesus talks about is the one that uh, receives the word of God, which is the seed that is described here among the thorns. That's the person that is distracted. These are those that have heard, and as they go on their ways, and they are shoved with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. If that's you, if you receive the word of God and you're choking because you're spending way too much time at work and you're thinking about how to get rich and you're thinking about, well, you know, it's Sunday and the Bears are playing and you, you get distracted and you don't go to church and you forget about getting fed spiritually. You forget about going to life because you forget about going to uh, uh, gatherings and pray and, and hang out with your Christian brother or sister and you're getting choked because the things of this world, the, the entertainment of NFL, MLB are, 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 are being priority in your heart and and the things of, of riches and the things of pleasures are just choking you up. And the next thing you know is that, that you're no longer serving God because you're, you're just so full of the things of yourself and the pleasures of your heart. Jesus says that man's heart is deceptive. There is nothing good in man's heart. You can only find life in Jesus. The good news today is this, that in John 5, 15, verse 5 to 6 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I am in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus is asking you this morning, if that is you, come to me. Remain in me. I want you to be one with me. John 17, 3 says that the eternal life is to know the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, and you lay the things of this world distract you and choke you up, let me tell you good news. Jesus is calling you to fellowship with him once again. But he says here that if you do not remain in him, he will throw you straight to hell. There is a, there is a, 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 a destination for those who are not in Christ Jesus. Eternal hell, damnation. And the good news this morning is you can come to Jesus Christ. You can ask him to cleanse you from your sins. You can ask him to forgive me for not putting you first. And, and just living life out of idolatry. Putting all the things before God. There is good news this morning on behalf of, of, of the way you live. Whether it's a month or in the past year. Whether the past several months or years that have passed by. This is that Jesus wants you to have a relation with him. Take heed and warning that he, he also said that there is eternal hell and the fourth person he talks about is the one that receives the word of God in good soil that's a spiritual believer these are the ones that are honest and good at heart and having heard the word hold it tightly and bring forth fruit with patience if you can please stand you see Jesus is saying it's telling you this morning hold on to his word tightly John 8 31 says if you're truly my disciples you will know the truth the truth will set you free He's asking you to hold on to his word tightly. This word that is presented to you this morning, the one that's going to be presented to you tonight, uh, after, after this one with Pastor Joe and the one in life groups, 
Take hold of his word tightly so you may have eternal life. Where is your seed? Where have you put the word of God? Have you put it into practice? Have you been obedient? Are you living with Je for Jesus Christ? If we can please close our eyes. I want you to think, take two moments, meditate on this. What type of soil are you growing the seed of God on? We can play some music, please. What type of, what type of soil are you growing the seed of God on? Are you that person that is, has the devil has come and stolen away the word of God? You believe the lies of this world and the devil? Are you that person that's, that's allowed the word of God to take no root and you don't really believe it anymore and you have no foundation because of lack of discipleship, pastoring, and mentorship? Are you that person that's just allowing the things of the world to choke you up? Are you that person that says, I'm going to put the word of God, I'm going to hold it on tightly? I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I'm asking for the conviction of your Holy Spirit in this house. In Jesus' name, Father, I'm asking, Lord God, that you capture hearts now. I come against every sin, every distraction, every hindrance, every devil that is hunting upon your people. I bind them now in Jesus Christ's name. God, I declare, God, a, a spirit, Lord, your Holy Spirit to come upon them, God. I declare a born-again spirit upon your people, God. I declare your people that will be disciples, God, that they will repent of their sins, Lord God, and come to you, Lord, that they will see life, Lord. Lord, to be more than just a nine-to-five job and going home and playing sports whatsoever, God. But the people will come to you this morning, Lord God. Oh, Father, I pray that people get connected to a life group and discipleship. Oh, Lord, convict your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. If this message convicted, this message touched your heart. Salvador and Jessica, they're life group leaders. Please go to them. They will hear you out. They will pray for you. They want to mentor you. They want to be part of your life. Please do so. They're nothing. Don't feel uncomfortable. Don't feel like people are looking at you. No, no, no. This is what the church of Jesus Christ is here for. So you may inherit eternal life. Amen. Right now we're going to confess. Our, we're going to recite our confession of faith. If you want this in a piece of paper, please raise your hand so we can pass it on. Our ushers will pass them out, please. Amen. So in a count of three, if we can look up here on your sheet of paper, we're going to recite this. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purpose and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the death. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all believers in Jesus, unbelievers. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Let's take two minutes to uh, greet one another, fellowship, and begin to pray. Praise the Lord. Remember, Solomon and Jessica right over here for you guys.
uh, we're just going to keep it going. So good to have you here. I'm Joe Irosic, pastor of Metro Praise International. Uh, before we get into the good stuff, announcements and all that, we have a special day today, a baby dedication. Everybody go, woo, woo. Come on, we love baby dedications. Uh, we want to dedicate Jaden Robert Gerardo. I'm I was going to say Geraldo. 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 Amen. Jackie, would you come please with Jaden? Amen. And any of your family uh, that you want to have uh, join you. The Bible talks about children being blessed by Jesus. Uh, some churches baptize children. We don't do that because Jesus didn't do that. But what we did see was Jesus praying and uh, blessing the children. And we love children in this church. Uh, baby Jeremiah from Sue Ellen and uh, uh, Berto, not Berto, excuse me, Woo! Sue Ellen and Jared were just born this week. Isaiah was born two weeks ago with uh, Ricky and Rachel. Let's give it up for them. Come on. And we just got babies everywhere. So, Jackie, would you come on over here? And Is he here? Is he like here in the building? Okay. Do you want to just relax for a little? Okay, we want you to just grab a seat. He'll come in a little bit. Um, we'll talk about Metro Praise and what we're doing. Amen? Amen. This is what we do every week. We want to welcome you Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. This is our awesome service. Come and keep bringing your friends and family. We love this location. How many love this location? Can I get a woo-woo? Amen. We love you guys being close together. We don't want that to change. And our goal is to keep planting churches like this. So come on Sundays with your family. Children's ministry always in the back. King's Kid, King's Kids. And then in Wednesdays are Encounter Nights. Somebody say Encounter Nights. Thank you. These are times for you to bring your children for programs that we have. We have programs from K through 5th, Royal Rangers and Impact, and then the adults do Bible study. So come out and then elevate. Come on, Elevate's been doing it up, man. Teenage ministry every Friday at 7 o'clock, 11 to 18. You guys just had a good time, man. I got to give you the mic here, guitar, man. Johnny Cash for Jesus. Tell me what you all did last night. And what I want you to do is like how he does the little music in the background. You do it with the bass. One, two. That's, oh, you got the mic there? I got just the give mic me that. right over here. Hold on, I don't wanna, I, he feels like he's getting off the spot right now. You know how he does that little pretty music in the background? Can you just do it with the bass? Like, boom. Come on, everybody go, do it, do it, do it, do Lame, lame. You would have done it. Tell us about what's going on at Elevate because you all having Holy Ghost parties Amen, hallelujah. There. We just had our costume party last Friday with Jabez in town. That was a blast. This actual month of Thanksgiving, the month, or rather the week after um, Thanksgiving. Let me get my weeks right. Yes, we're having Mars. He is a local rapper, um, a part of another ministry, but the man has been saved. God has done tremendous things in his life. I'm talking about hanging around with Eminem, Dr. Dre, um, um, Swiss Beats, all these famous, like, people that you would know in the world, he was around, and God changed his life dramatically, and he's going to be performing for us uh, November 30th, so you don't want to miss that night. Amen. Let's give it up for Elevate. Come on. Amen. Do we got the family here now? No, we're still not ready? Okay, I'm going to keep doing my thing announcements. You all just tell me when they're all here, all right? That's all right. We keep going. Amen. Uh, this is the family fun night coming up this Wednesday. It is going to be a costume party. Everybody go party. 
So this is for the adults, okay? So this Wednesday, 7 o'clock, come out with your kids. It is Halloween. You don't got to dress up like a demon, a goblin, and all that. Come here, have fun. Get free candy. Play the Wii on the big screen. Wee! Have some fun and bring your family to church. If you don't want to do it, we'll still love you. We'll just talk about you, okay? Like those people, they don't come to church on Halloween. They go out there like everybody else. They're just sinners. Touch them, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. But if you want a godly place to be, Wednesday night, free refreshments, free candy, in a safe place, you don't have to worry about getting egged, you can come here and have a good time. Anybody ever been egged on Halloween? Hello, this city is dangerous, right? Okay, praise God. And then what we're doing right now in our life groups is the Truth Project. Everybody say the Truth Project. Thank you. The life groups are the things that we do in our families' homes all throughout the week. You pick a Bible study and you go to it. And right now they're doing the Truth Project, which is really awesome. It's a video series talking about the truth of the Bible. So if you have questions about the Bible and any of those things, pick a life group and start to go through this and take a flyer and invite your friends because we're talking about some big stuff like politics. We're talking about science. How did God create the world? Was evolution true? Uh, you know, is this stuff uh, relevant for our day? Theology, who is God at life? groups. Everybody say life groups. Thank you. Here's our vision. Somebody say vision. Amen. Every church needs a vision. Our vision is to love God and love people. Our discipleship strategy. Everybody say strategy. We have a strategy to connect you to the cross, mentor you with the cross, send you out, and then everybody say go. Amen. And our goal is to raise up 100,000 soldiers, disciples for Jesus Christ in this city and 50 churches and 500 around the world. Where does our vision come from? Loving God, loving people comes from the words of Jesus. Read this with me. Mark 12, 30 through 31. One, two, three. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. We're going to love God and love people. What else is Metro Praise International going to do? We're going to teach you to be disciples. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and onward, go into all the world. Everybody say go. You can't stay in this church, amen? We don't got bunk beds set up here. This is not a resort center. This is a training ground. This is your conference, amen? Get out there and change the world. Do some Amway for Jesus, y'all. Come on, somebody. You know you tried that before. Do it for Jesus now and get your friends saved. The Bible says, go to all the worlds. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. And how does that look? How does discipleship look here? Well, you join that life group connect. Is anybody excited about life groups today? Today, does anybody get life at life groups? Hey, come on. Join a life group. Step number one. Step two, mentor. In that life group, somebody will start teaching you from the first step of our Christian class called the 101. They're going to help you go through this and develop your faith. You say, man, I already know it all. Great. This is time for you to learn something that you probably don't know, and that's humility. Okay? <laughs> You're going to learn humility because obviously you don't have that yet. And then when you go through that, we'll bring you into this bad mamma jamma where we raise up history makers, world changers, and roof breakers, the 201 class. Amen? So we want to connect you to life groups, mentor you through the teachings of Christ, and send you out through evangelism. There's over 10 different times during the week before and after life groups, on Wednesdays before youth groups, all all these times when we tell people about Jesus, handing out popcorn on Wednesdays, why? Because we loco for Christ, for Jesus Christo, amen? We loco for Christo, does that make sense? I wanted to say it, amen. 
And if we do all of that, that's how we accomplish the goal. You know, the mall can have a lot of people show up on Sunday. The Bears can get people to come out. The Cubs, you know, come on, God bless them, amen. They get people to come out. They're not even winning a game. But you know what? Churches, we're not just about people. Our goal is disciples, planting churches here and around the world. And so I uh, just want you to stand up on your feet with me today, please, as we prepare to receive uh, tithes and offerings. Are we getting close? Okay, that's okay. We'll do that at the end of the service if we have to. Is that all right? Because we're not, not going anywhere. Are you going anywhere? No, we're hanging out. Y'all got dressed up. Amen. Praise God. No, that's fine. That's fine. Our church is supported by the tithe and offerings of the people. The way the Bible talks about tithe is as simply uh, giving a portion of your income to the Lord. Tithe meaning 10%. We ask that you partner with us so that we can continue in this great facility continue to grow in the other facilities that we have. Right now, our second one is at Wicker Park, meeting at 5 o'clock on Sundays and Tuesdays and Fridays as well. And God is just blessing them. And the way we believe we can do that is that everybody does their part. So let's say you make $100 this week. If you tithe, how much are you going to give? $10, right? Now let's say somebody makes $1,000 this week. How much do they tithe? $100. So the one who makes $100 and ties $10, and the one who makes 1000 and ties 100 the amount is not the issue. It's the heart. It's the obedience. And by doing that, we can pay our bills. The Bible says those who are rich, give out of your generosity. Those who are poor, give out of your poverty. But either, either way, give because God blesses the cheerful giver. Now, you may say to yourself, I don't want to give because I don't have it. Well, here's a good prayer request. God bless me to be a blessing. God, help me so I can help others. How does that sound? Amen. Instead of praying, God, bless me and my four and no more because I'm Jimmy and I take all you can give me. No, how about we pray this? Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. You got some of my bread in your pocket. Amen. You got some of those con candules that I'm supposed to be eating today. I mean, come on. Uh, share what you have. Amen. And then the offering is what you say, God, you, uh, you've asked me for this 10%. I've given it to you, and I've got 90% left. This is mine. You said I can do whatever I want with it. I can get my hair and nails done. I can go out and get myself the Halo 4 coming out pretty soon. I can get whatever I want with that. But, God, is there any help I could use with this? To, uh, anything I could give to help the church. And so we have two categories of offerings. Missions, whenever you give there, you're helping spread the gospel around the world. These books are translated in many different languages all over the, uh, the world. Pakistan, India, Nigeria, you can help send out those books. And when you give to the building fund, it helps stuff like this stay around. Just kind of like kick your chair or touch your chair. As I say, stuff like this. Come on, touch something around you. Tap a pole, stuff like that. Isn't that pretty cool? How many parents, we, we have to teach our children where that comes from. Right, like right now, like we give Bethany some stuff, and then, uh, you know, Bethany will see me eating it, and then she'll be like, that's mine. And then, I, like, I have to sit down and have this conversation. You see this house? That's mine. That bed you're sleeping in? Mine, too. Yeah. That cup you're drinking your milk? That cup? Guess whose that is? Daddy's. So I'm like, but guess what Daddy likes to do? Share, because sharing is caring. You all know what I'm talking about. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for a church that gives, not because they have to, but because they want to. And, Lord, I ask you to bless them now. Lord, we're in a very pivotal time in our economy. A lot of ideas are on the table. But one thing we know for sure, it's in God we trust. God is not in the dollar bill. It's in you. And so, Lord, we ask you to take corruption out of our leadership 
take it out of businesses. God, bring righteousness and justice, God, from the top down. And, Lord, we pray that for every person here, whether they're, uh, you know, in the sales business, in a government job, that you'll make them the best at what they are and what they do. Lord, we also pray for the unemployed, Lord, that they will find a place of employment, creative ideas, God, retraining things to make them valuable and useful uh, to the places around them, God. And we also now pray for our children and our children's children, God. Uh, Lord, there's so much going on in this city right now that is not right. The violence, uh, the perversion, God, the abuse. And, God, I, I read Chicago Tribune and my heart breaks. Just bring peace to our city, God. Bring righteousness again to our children, God, that they can be on these streets in safety. It may seem, God, like it's impossible, but, Lord, with you all things are possible. And start in me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? Amen. amen. Let's say what Jesus said on the count of one, two, three. One, two, three. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Will you come forward as you give today rejoicing? Thank you so much. There's also online giving at our website if you ever want to do that. All your gifts. Thank you. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can keep it, and I'm shouting, shouting. You turn my tears of sadness into such joy and gladness. My heart can keep it, and I'm shouting, shouting. Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and onward. We're going to be uh, finishing out our series today on cloud of witnesses. All this month has been the series cloud of witnesses. We talked about the faith of Abraham, humility of Moses, worship of David. Was anybody blessed by last week's message about David? Wow, we are worshipers and warriors, amen? And the cool thing is, is everything is found online. You can even just click on that series page, and you'll see all of the videos there if you missed any. Plus, our notes are on Facebook and on our blog so that you can keep up with all the information. So if you got me on Facebook, Joe I. Rostick, look up the notes right now because they are waiting for you. As we get ready to get into the Word, our church has always kept a... Uh, a transparency model with our church and our leadership, and I want to make you aware of a uh, an update to our bylaws. Our church has always believed in regards to alcohol abstinence. Just totally avoid it, don't touch it, don't get anywhere around it. Um, over the past eight years, I've been studying more, went to seminary, got my master's degree from Liberty Baptist Cemetery, I mean seminary, and uh, we we as a church began to realize that the Bible does speak positively about alcohol, though there's a lot of warning against drunkenness and, and the like. So what we wanted to do as a church was to give people the freedom to be able to choose over 21. We don't believe in breaking the law, but to have moderation instead of abstinence. So if you go to my website, uh, Facebook as well, or the church website, you'll see the update of our bylaws. Metro Praise said at one point, 
we do not affirm alcohol use. Now we say we disaffirm drunkenness. So that means in between abstinence and drunkenness is what's called moderation. And so we want to, uh, to have you look at that. It's online. If you have any questions, your elders and deacons are more than able to take you through that. And maybe one day I'll preach on that so that you can know where I'm coming from. But I think the blog says it all. Can I just hear an amen if you heard me? Amen. Let's open up to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and onward. Today we're going to be talking about the prayers of Jeremiah, and I cannot tell you in words how intense this is going to be. Uh, I just have to demonstrate it in a few moments and let the Spirit come through me because I am like burning on fire with this message. Jeremiah was a prophecy. Uh, the prophecies of Jeremiah were actually given to me as prophecies before I was even saved. When I was a high school dropout on drugs, my mom had these words from Jeremiah that I would be a preacher like him. And then when I read him, I just get so inspired. And I, and I think today it's going to be even more caught than it is taught, but there is a lot of teaching. If you're in Hebrews 12, verse 1, can you say I'm there? Thank you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Who should our, who should our eyes be fixed on? Jesus, thank you, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, verse 5, and you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Somebody say, encouragement. Here is the encouragement. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Somebody say, God loves me so much, he punishes me. Yeah, that's what he does. Endure hardship, verse 7, as discipline. God is treating you as sons for what son or what son is not disciplined by his father. This has been our text all this month when we think of cloud of witnesses. The Bible says in heaven there are people who have already run their race and they are in heaven and they're cheering us on as we're running our race. We are to do two things. We're to get rid of all the hindrances in our life. If there is a boyfriend holding you back, you need to move forward. If TV holds you back, you need to let it go and move forward. If your old job, if your old friends, something holding you back, let go of it and follow Jesus. The second thing we learn is we got to let go of sin. Everybody say sin. We can't lie running the race of, of Christianity. We can't live in perversion. We can't live with anger running this race. And the idea that Paul is setting here is that you are in a race, and if you let go of hindrances, you let go of sins, you look on Jesus, you're going to finish your race. And who's to give you encouragement? The people who have run their race and finished it. That's why we've been talking about the cloud of witnesses. So you ever feel like your faith is getting tested? How about being Abraham, being told at 75 years old he's going to have a child, and the child doesn't come to he's 100 years old 25 years later you ever feel like you've been tested y'all come on how about waiting 25 years for a promise come on somebody say amen you can relate to Abraham what does Abraham teach us his faith was persevering faith it did not give up moral of the story whatever you go through that God said you're going to go through don't give up on your journey you've got to go through the valley to get to the other side the Bible says yea though I walk through the valley you ain't living in the valley baby you walking through the valley amen to get to that next mountaintop you got to go through a valley we then learned about the humility of Moses how no matter what it seemed Moses tried to do it always turned out wrong you ever do that 
You ever try to make a relationship work? Turns out wrong. You ever try to do something on your job? Turns out wrong. And it seems like you're waiting and waiting and waiting for things to go right. You know how long it took Moses to be able to see the people of Israel delivered from Egypt? 80 years. What if it took me 80 years to get right pastoring and you guys had to endure with me for the next 40 years? Are you guys ready for the journey? What if it took 40 years for you, for you to become a disciple, join life groups in the 201? Oh, snap. Ooh, you remember the cat, you know, from Puss in Boots? Ooh, that's just me. You got to go through things and you don't get from A to Z in one day. You got to go to B, C, D, E, and F. What does the humility of Moses teach us? Don't give up on your journey. Last week, we talked about the worship of David. You know, we sing songs here. We love it. We have different styles of music. We put in our iPods. We jam out throughout the week. But how many know we go through hard times and we just don't feel like worshiping? You know, how could God do this to me? God is supposed to bless me with a new house. Everything's supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be singing in the rain. You know, I'm supposed to be on the yellow brick road. How could this happen? I don't feel like worshiping. Hallelujah. That's all I'm going to give, God. Hallelujah. Why, why should we worship in those times? Because the Bible says in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We should understand that the Bible teaches that our worship and our praise will raise us to another level. It's the praise of God that brings forth our breakthrough. So what's the encouragement from David? No matter what you're going through, don't have a pity patty party. Have a Holy Ghost praise party. Look at your neighbor and say there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't. One more time, say, there ain't no party like a, because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Look at him and just tell him, this is how we do church. This is how we do it here. Amen. And now today, we're going to learn about the prayers of Jeremiah. And today's prayers of Jeremiah, as much as we're having fun today, aren't a laughing matter. The prayers of Jeremiah come from a man with a broken heart for a broken nation. And I want you to learn today from him. When you look at politics, you look at your city, you look at the corruption from Wall Street to Main Street, you look at what's going on, it breaks your heart. It breaks my heart. And we need to have the prayers of Jeremiah that can endure through the suffering and say, God, you are in control. You will judge the wicked. You will uplift the righteous. And I'm here trusting you to do that. Can I hear an amen? Looking at your notes now, and as we put them up here from the blog, we want to give you a Sunday School for Adults format in this series. So I will continue with that theme in our last week here. When you look at the history before Jeremiah, we believe the creation of the world was around 4,000 B.C. We're in 2080, so we believe roughly the earth is only around 6,000 years old. I told you to research answers in Genesis.org to find Christian reasons for creationism and why we don't believe in evolution as taught in the schools. Around 3000 B.C., Noah and a flood came and God judged the earth. We see the evidence of this flood and the fault lines in the ocean, the mountain ranges that we have, the way they've developed. And one of the greatest testimonies in America is the Grand Canyon, how this was produced in a mass flood, not uh, over millions of years by a little Colorado River. Those are found on Answers in Genesis.org's website, and we don't just think that's weird belief. We think this is science as well. Within in 2000 B.C., Abraham was called. He's the first person of the Jewish faith. He's a pagan. God says, I'm calling you to be the first of my nation, and you're going to be the father of nations. Then in 1500 B.C., Moses brings the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. 
And then in 13 B.C., Joshua, Moses' successor, conquers Jericho, the land of Canaan, and Israel established itself as a country ruled by judges and prophets. However, in 1050 B.C., they called out for a king, and they're like, oh, we want a king. We don't want to listen to prophets anymore. So God gave them what they wanted, and you better be careful because sometimes you may get what you want, and it may not turn out to be what all you thought it was going to be. They asked for a king. God gave them one, and the king took advantage of them. Uh, abused them, and Saul was a wicked king, but God then had mercy, raised up a righteous king named David, who we learned about last week in 1010 B.C., and he reigned a second king of Israel. That's where we stopped last week. Now going on to this week, after David came Solomon, his son. But because Solomon disobeyed God, Solomon was put under a curse of a divided kingdom. That means his child had the kingdom split in Israel. In 931 B.C., Jeroboam rebelled against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and divided the kingdom into the Judah tribe and Benjamin tribe and the other ten tribes. The Judah tribe and Benjamin were known as Judah. Everybody say Judah. Thank you. And the other ten tribes were Israel. Say Israel. Thank you. That's how it was divided. Now for 209 years, 19 kings ruled southern Israel. Most of them were in sin. God was sending prophets to them to spare them of judgment, but they would not listen. The kings kept going after idols, and eventually God's punishment to them was he sent the Assyrian Empire to conquer Israel and to bring them into captivity. Look at your neighbor and say, God, don't play. Amen. God doesn't play. When they did not listen, they were conquered by their enemies. You think Judah then would have got the point and started obeying God. But for the next uh, few hundred years, even after uh, the fall of Israel, Judah, ruled by 20 kings, the, they didn't obey God, and God allowed the Babylonian captivity to capture them and bring them into exile. Did you ever wonder how Daniel got thrown into a lion's den? You know why? Daniel was one of the people who lived in Judah, was captured and taken over to Babylon. They told him not to pray. He kept praying because he got to pray to make it today. You got to just to make it today. So then they said, Daniel, don't pray. He said, I can't stop praying because i got to pray to make it today. And then you know what they did? They threw him into a lion's den. We think it's like some little cute Sunday school story. Let me throw you into a lion's den and see how spiritual you are, okay? Beep, boop, beep. They're just all bleeping you out. But he went and even prayed in there. The angels shut the mouth of the lion. He was spared, but that's why he was there. And so what we're going to be specifically looking at, point 12, and you know you got a good preacher when he's giving you the introduction and you're already at point 12, and there's like four more like sets of points. Oh, amen. Somebody say amen. Okay. What we're going to look at today is Jeremiah was the last major prophet of the people of Judah before the Babylonians took over. So imagine this now. You are told to be a prophet, speak to your people, and tell them to stop sinning. If they will stop sinning, God will spare them. If they won't stop sinning, they are going to be conquered. We know the end of the story. What happened? They kept sinning, and they got conquered. Now imagine you're Jeremiah. Imagine living in a land where people are wicked, and no matter how much righteous people stand up and tell them to stop sinning, the people keep sinning. Oh, I think I can relate to that a little bit more than I thought, right? How about America? You're in a land right now where it was established on in God we trust. You know why you're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving? It's because our first president said we need to stop and fast and pray and give Thanksgiving unto God. Read George Washington's Thanksgiving address. You want to know why we were the first country in the, in the known world to ob obliterate slavery, give rights to women, to allow free co uh, economy, democracy? I'm not saying we were always perfect, but the first one to give doctorate degrees and education to African Americans. Do you want to know why this happened in America? Is because there were always godly men around. 
Has there always been wicked men? Yes. Just like there is today. Do I hate abortion? Yes. Do most of you hate it? Yes. But is it still going on? Yes. That's the way it was back then. A lot of Christians hated slavery. They fought against it, hence the Civil War. Are you listening? Don't let everybody tell you every Christian back there was, on to, was owning a Kuta Kinte. Are you listening to me? It was the Christians that helped get together with the Underground Railroad to set the slaves free. Amen. I know my black history. Come on, somebody. And I spent eight years in New Orleans in the South, and it was ingrained into me in many ways, and it was an honor to serve with the African-American community. But this nation was established by godly principles, and today, by the way, the African-American church is the strongest church in this country uh, per capita with people going regularly to church, giving to their church. Jeremiah was talking to people who lost their way and were in danger of punishment. They ended up still getting punished, and yet he did what was right. America's judgment has not yet been given. We may see signs of it in our time. We may see the hand of God lifting off of our schools as we taken prayer out and replaced it with metal detectors. When we prayed, we didn't need metal detectors. In the 50s, the worst thing kids would do in school is talk back to a teacher and chew gum. When we took out prayer, now the things we're seeing is Columbine and school shootings. Why did this happen? Back in the day in the families, the 50s, yes, everybody wasn't like a leave it to beaver, but they sure knew how to stay married and live married and have children and raise them the right way. Now more children are born outside of families than are born with families. That means more kids are growing up without a mom and dad in the house than there are kids growing up with a mom and dad. God have mercy. Since 1970, when we've legalized abortion, there's been over 40 million children killed in abortion clinics. If you're here today and you've ever been a part of that, you need to repent as if you had murdered. That is a sin. God will forgive murderers, but that is the sin of murder. I think today we need to take notes from Jeremiah and understand that we are living in a time of wickedness, but God wants to stretch forth his hands with an answer of mercy to us. And what the, the Christian and the church needs to do is pray. Somebody say pray. Amen. Now let's go through the highlights of Jeremiah's life. Hang in here with me. This is still the introduction. Only 10 more points of the second point. Don't you love having a college professor slash pastor? You know, it's like I could come up here and make you laugh all day, but that wouldn't really do a whole lot, would it? Going to comedy shows doesn't change your life. Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, it's tight, but it's right. Amen. We look at Jeremiah. Here's some fun facts most people don't know. Jeremiah has more personal information about his life than any other prophet in the Bible. The book of Jeremiah, which we're talking about today, is, is, is the second largest book in all the Bible, only to the book of Psalms. And Jeremiah not only wrote the book of Jeremiah, he also wrote First and Second Kings, that means he was a historian, and he also wrote the book of Lamentations, which means songs of sorrow. When Israel was destroyed, he wrote some songs called Lamentations, we would call it the blues. Jeremiah's name means, my Yahweh will establish. Imagine this. God gives you a name in the midst of a nation being destroyed. Your name is, God's going to save this nation. You're like, my name is, God's going to save the nation? Why aren't you saving the nation? It's being destroyed. Amen? It'd be like me calling you rich and you're broke. Amen? It'd be like me calling you tall when you're tiny. Are you all listening to me? Me calling you skinny when you're healthy. Are you, are you following me? God was calling him, Yahweh will establish when everything he's prophesying is going to be about destruction. He was born in 650 B.C. to a priestly family and called to be a prophet at the age of 24 years old. He had a prophetic ministry for over four years and even after the fall of Jerusalem. What that means is he was hearing directly from God and speaking to the people. I, as your pastor, can get it wrong sometimes. I don't always hear God as I should. Jeremiah's responsibility was to hear word for word what God was saying, and thus his words became our scriptures. 
theanoustos in the Greek. He was being God-breathed. God was breathing through him the very life of Scripture. Are you tracking with me? What an honor. Number three, Jeremiah's prophecies were based on blessings and curses of the Deuteronomic law that God had given the covenant with Israel, but the people were breaking. Turn there with me quickly uh, to Jeremiah chapter 11. This is all the introduction. I, have, I want to get this through to you so that the message can come in power. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you for allowing me to preach to you. Look at Jeremiah chapter 11. If you will scroll down a little bit, brother, for them to see the heading in the NIV. It says the covenant is what? Broken. So Jeremiah's prophecies were based on Israel and Judah breaking the covenant of God. What is the covenant of God found in Deuteronomy? It's called the Deuteronomic covenant. What does that mean? When Moses went up to the mountain, he was given ten commandments. That was the introduction to God's covenant. He said, if you do these things, in summary, don't lie, don't you know, steal, don't cheat, don't be covetous, don't you know, uh, disobey your parents. I will bless you and then do all of these things for you and then you'll do all of these things. It's like when you sign a contract for your car. It's like there's the front page and there's like a hundred other little pages, you know, pages in small print. Y'all, y'all following with me on our mortgage. It's like the Ten Commandments was the front page. Here, I'm God, you're man, this is how we're going to do it. You good with this? Now here's all the details and then I'll bless you. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, God promises them blessings and curses. He says, blessed are you in the city when you keep this message. Blessed are you in the field when you keep these messages. Blessed when you come and when you go. Amen. You will be the head and not the tail. You will be above and not believe, uh, beneath. When you do these things, you're blessed. Everybody say blessed. But he also said, you disobey me. You break these commandments. You don't follow through with what I've asked you to do. You'll be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the field. You'll be cursed when you come. You'll be cursed when you go. You'll be the last and you won't be the first. Look at Jeremiah's prophecies to these people who were backslidden. Backslidden means you were going right in the direction and you start going uh, sliding back to the place you shouldn't be. Repentance means to turn around and go in the right direction. Repent. Penance is sorrow, sorrow okay? So I'm going in the right direction. I backslide, go into this direction. I have God convict me of my sin, I repent, return for my penance, and go in the other direction. You all tracking with me? So let's say uh, you're, you're living today holy men. You're not going to be uh, in pornography. You're not going to lust after a woman. So you go on doing your thing, you know what I'm saying? And then you, like, drive by Humble Park, you know what I'm saying? And it's a hot day or something. It's like, oh, Lord, forgive me, Jesus. Jesus. And then you start having all these fantasies, you know what I'm saying? Well, you need to stop and go, Jesus. I'm sorry for perversion in my heart. Forgive me and turn back and keep following God. Amen? Same thing with shoes, ladies. Same thing. Same thing. Okay, he, Jeremiah chapter 11, 1 and onward, Jeremiah is speaking about this to his people. This is the word that came from Jeremiah uh, from the Lord, came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Listen to the terms of this covenant and tell them to the people of Judah and to all those who live in Jerusalem. Tell them that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Cursed is the man who does not obey the terms of this covenant. The terms I commanded your forefathers when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the iron-smelting furnace, I said, sometimes obey me. Is that what God said? I said, obey me when you feel like, it, feel like it except when Katy Perry's on. Is that what it said? I said, obey me and do, and do what? Everything I command you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. That was the covenant. But did they follow that covenant? 
No, verse 8. But they did not listen nor pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their evil heart. When you disobey God's commandments, it's not that you're cute. It's not that adultery is fun. It's not that lying's okay sometimes as long as it's just on Mondays at your job or on your taxes. No, when you start disobeying and breaking the commands of God, it is because of the stubbornness of your evil heart. So I brought on them all the curses of the covenant I had commanded them to follow, but they did not keep. Then the Lord said to me, He's speaking now to Jeremiah. There is a conspiracy among the people of Judah and those who live in Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their forefathers who refused to listen to my words. They have followed after other gods to serve them. They have both the house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken the covenant I made with their forefathers. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Thank you. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I will bring on them disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me. You want to hear some words of God? You want to hear fear of God? You know what the fear of God is? God not being on your side anymore. You want to hear a scripture that will put the fear of God in every one of you here that are using greasy grace to get forgiven and keep on living in sin? You're using the grace of God like it's a rag in your garage that men use after they worked on their car just to wipe their dirty hands on and throw it on the ground. You're using the grace of God just to keep sinning. You have no intention of stopping what you're doing. You just want to say you're sorry and get to heaven. Listen to these words and let them ring in your soul. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. God have mercy on a people that have been so rebellious to God that he says, that's it. It's over. It's done. Cry out all you want. It's happening. Gave you a chance to listen. Now is the time of judgment. Yes, a murderer stands before the court of law. They say, I'm sorry. I pulled the trigger out of anger. I was drunk. I shouldn't have did such and such. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. For that judge to hear that cry and not punish that murderer takes away justice from the land. Nobody fears the courts. It's a right thing for that judge to say, I don't hear your cries, sir. You committed the crime. You're doing the time. It's a lesson to the people. Justice prevails here. And our God is saying the same thing. There is a day of repentance. There is a day of sorrow and whenever that day comes to you you better take it for you Hebrews 10 26 to willfully continue in sin after having the knowledge of truth there therefore remains no more sacrifice but only an expectation of judgment he says you will cry out and I will not hear you dear God if God can't help you there, there is no help for you my friends May we all today repent of our sins and say God tomorrow's not my day of salvation today is my day of salvation now, some of you might say, well, pastor, we all sin. That's right, but sinners repent and get right with God. Uh, you're right, all husbands aren't perfect husbands, but we all don't cheat on our wives and shack up and go to, to stripper uh, joints. Are you listening? You make a decision in your lifestyle. As much as it pertains to me and my power, I will live for God. If I stumble, I'll get back up. But I'm going forward with Jesus. Though none may follow, I still will follow him. Woo! Come on, somebody. Jeremiah had a heart that said, God's people, God's people have broken his law. But there's still even a chance during this time that he would have mercy. And so in verse uh, number four, he became known as the weeping prophet during this time before chapter 11 was written, Jeremiah 9, 1 through 3, because by the time Jeremiah 11 comes, what I just read you was too late. So up until that time, he's weeping 
with his people mourning in front of them saying, don't do it. Stop. Listen to God. Oh, Jesus, may we raise up weeping prophets in this church that before the judgment of America gets too late, where he says China's taking you over, that's your punishment. Your children will be slaves to another nation. You will lose your freedoms. Before God allows some catastrophe like that to happen, may there be weeping prophets in the pulpit, in the pews, and in the homes, in the workplace, saying, people of America, hear what God is saying. He's a man of his word. He'll bless you if you bless him, and he'll curse you if, he'll, if you curse him. How many know God keeps his word? And it's both ways. You will reap what you sow. Amen. Uh, number five, God in his prophecies had Jeremiah. Looks into this. Jeremiah was a bold man. Though he was a weeping prophet, he was a bold man. He had Jeremiah oppose the present-day priests. That would be like the church members of that time and the leaders. Jer uh, Jeremiah 8, 8 through 10. He opposed Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah opposed Judah's kings, the actual people in leadership. 21, 1 through 23. He opposed the false prophets, Jeremiah 23, 9 through 40. And he opposed the people themselves, and he opposed their false beliefs. It's like, Jeremiah, what aren't you opposing? He was opposing everybody, the king, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Amen? Well, number six, what happened? You start opposing the king. You start opposing the, religion pe the religious people. You just start offending the Donald Trumps. You're offending everybody. What happens? Number six, because of Jeremiah's strong opposition... In Judah to the kings, he was beaten and put in stocks by the head priest. So imagine uh, somebody not liking what I do, and like Father Tom over here from St. Vitus comes and beats me up in front of you and puts me in the stocks. That's who beat him up was the priest. Somebody say, God have mercy. Thank you. He was threatened to death by the priests and the prophets were going to kill you. You know what happened with Jesus. They did kill him, right? So this is nothing new, but this is happening to Jeremiah. King Jehoiakim actually took his prophecies and burned them. Imagine burning the Bible. He gives a king the prophecies and goes, listen, king, this is to spare your life and the people. God will judge you and cause destruction to come. The dude sets it on fire. So you know what God tells Jeremiah to do? Write it again and give it back to him. Send the text again. Put the Facebook post up again. Amen? Then you know what? He was imprisoned by King Zedekiah. They put him in jail for serving God. That's what he was put in jail for. It's like if loving Jesus is right, I, uh, if loving Jesus is wrong, I don't want to be right. Amen? Would you go to jail for Jesus? Would you go to jail for your religion? People across the world do right now, especially in Muslim and communist countries. They threw him in a waist-high pit without water or food. So they had what was called cisterns, uh, wells of water that no longer had wells, but they had mud. Threw him into it. Pit goes up. Uh, the mud goes up to his waist. They don't give him any food and drink. And then finally somebody says, get him out of there. He's going to die. And then they put him in jail. And you know who actually lets him out of jail? When the Babylonians come and conquer Israel, the Babylonians go, hey, are you the one that's been prophesying about us kicking Israel's butt? He's like, yeah, that's me. They're like, high five. You're awesome. Come back to Babylon with us, and we'll make you a prince over there. We'll bless you. And Jeremiah says, Man, what are you? I, God says he's going to judge you too. I can't go back with you. He says, not for me. So he went and settled somewhere else. But it's true. They put him in stocks, they threatened to kill him, they burned his prophecies, they put him in a dungeon, they threw him into a cistern, and it was only the enemies of God who actually let him free. 
Number seven, Jeremiah prophesied terrifying judgment, but he also gave tremendous hope. He told the people that for 70 years God would discipline them and treat them as sons in this way and punish them, but after 70 years they would be released. It was actually Jeremiah's prophecies that Daniel held on to because he was a young man when he went into captivity. See, Jeremiah was an older man. They get invaded. Daniel grows up in Babylon reading the Bible, and guess who he's reading? He's reading Jeremiah, and he's like, oh my goodness, this is why we're here, and then he reads in Jeremiah 25, 12 through 14, God says you'll only be there for 70 years. So then Daniel starts praying and telling all the people, hey guys, we're not going to be here forever. God's going to bring us back to the land, Daniel 9, 1, 3. Somebody said, that's cool. Amen. Prophecy works, doesn't it? Number eight, God spoke through Jeremiah. Uh, to, and everything that he had spoke in 58, uh, fi, excuse me, everything that God spoke to Jeremiah came to pass in 586 B.C. when King Nebuchadnezzar conquered Babylon. So were his, was his prayers answered? In one sense they were. He kept praying for mercy, and God brought judgment, but he said, God, your will be done. So his prayers were powerful. They didn't stop judgment, but I believe they gave hope after judgment. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. It was believed that Jeremiah died at, in, in Egypt at the age of 70. And if you want more information, I got some uh, encyclopedia up there for you to check out online. Let me give you two mistakes of Jeremiah's life because we're looking at the good, bad, and the ugly. These men weren't perfect, and neither are you, so we can learn from their imperfections. Amen? The first thing we see about the mistake of Jeremiah's life is that he doubted God. Okay, so when God called him, he was uh, a young man. They say he was 24 when he was called. Look at Jeremiah 1, 6 through 7. Let's look at that quickly. Look at your neighbor and say, this is still the introduction. Amen. Still the introduction. It's like the Indy 500. You know what I'm saying? We're just like on 150 right now. Boom, boom. We'll get there. Amen. How many love church? How many wish it just lasted all day? Oh, come on. Amen. Some of y'all lying. Some of y'all just couldn't lie. You were just like, ain't saying nothing. Jeremiah 1.6, God calls him and says, hey, Jeremiah, I got a ministry idea for you. Oh, great, God, chippity-skippity. Am I going to get to be Joel Osteen? 40,000 people have my name in shining lights and write a book and make every day a Friday. You know, God's like, no, what you're going to do is you're going to be the last prophet until a nation invades your people, conquers them, and brings them into captivity. Now he doubts God, and he goes, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm just a child. I don't know how to speak. You're talking to me now. Seems like you're speaking okay, Jeremiah. And he's like 24, and he's calling himself a child. Kind of reminds me of people today, amen? 24-year-olds living at home, having Mountain Dew parties, passing gas, playing video games. I can't do nothing great for God. i got to clear this next morning. You know, come on. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't be scared. So your neighbor likes it like that. So we got to keep it real with your other neighbor. You know what I'm saying? Don't be scared, for I am with you and will rescue you declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and he said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, I appointed you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy and overflow, to plant and to build. 
What do we see in Jeremiah's life? He was given what would be to most of us an impossible task. I mean, obviously in the flesh it is impossible. He's asked to do it at a young age. If he is 24 at that time or if this happened when he was younger and then they uh, recorded it at the age of 24, we don't know. But either way, he was overwhelmed. He felt he was not qualified. And he complained to God and said, I think you got the wrong man. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever hear God ask you to do something? And you're like, oh, hold up, God. Hold up. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. Now, if you've never had that happen, I don't know if God's talking to y'all. Amen? Because I know God ain't promising like lollipop dreams and trips to Six Flags. God always says good stuff to me, Pastor, and I'm always excited. Okay, well, then you haven't heard him talk to you a whole lot then. Amen? Let me help you hear his words. Has spent a little time with you. Amen? Like, like when you're shacking up and, and you're living together and God says, I don't want you all living together. You're just like, I'm a child. I don't know how to live on my own. That's what dudes say. You know what I'm saying? They can't live without the booty. And they're just like, God, I'm a child. I just can't live without this Jesus. See, I keep it real, and that's when you all get crazy. Come on, I'm just keeping it real. Somebody says to you right now, God says to you, I want you to give 10% of your total income. Oh, I'm just a child. I don't make enough, God, to be given all of this. I can't do this. Says the guy who goes out today to, like, Vince's Pizza and buys, like, $40 worth of pizza. You didn't have a tithe. You are lying. You have a tithe. You, you, you get what I'm saying? God tells us to do stuff. Now, in business, you know, God tells you to take risks, start businesses. God told me to start this church, and sometimes these are huge undertakings. Maybe get married and have lots of kids, and you feel the weight of that responsibility. We're all at different times in our life weighed down by God's call. But he said, come unto me, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. Learn of me, and my, uh, my, my load is easy, and I will give you rest for your souls. The point is God's call comes with God's ability. God's purpose comes with God's power. The lesson we learn from Jeremiah is don't doubt God when he asks you to do something great because God knows what he's doing. Amen? He knows what he's doing. Next point is that we see Jeremiah complain. Would anybody complain about getting thrown into a cistern up to your waist high with no water and no, no food? Would anybody complain at that point? Would that be like church ain't cool anymore? Like we throw you into a sister, and how about we start burning your mortgages and start burning, well, maybe burning mortgage would be okay, but we start burning your valuable items, you know, setting your valuables on fire, put you in stocks. You know what stocks are? You guys know what I'm talking about. That's what they did to him. And guess what he did? Complain. Is anybody here more spiritual than Jeremiah? If you started serving God and it cost you things, Think of this. We like to think about coming to church and God's going to give me things, right? I come to church, God's going to bless me now. I'm going to get a house. I'm going to have a land, white picket fence. My children are never going to cause any problems. I'm going to have all the money in the world. That's my life now, right? We think like Christianity, like God has promised us the American dream. Like this is like, let's make a deal. Like God, I'll serve you for a house and a boat. He's like, no, you ain't getting no house and a boat. I'll give you a house and a pony. How about that? Yeah, the house and the pony, that's the deal I'm going for. Deal. How about when God says, serve me, follow me, but you're going to get beat and thrown into prison. People right now, 100,000 Christians die a year. More and more martyrs for Christianity happen right now in your lifetime this year, 2012, than ever in history of Christianity are dying per year right now. 
Where are they dying right now? They're dying in North Korea. It's the most deadliest place to call yourself a Christian right now. South Korean Christians make balloons with Bibles, and they send them over the borders. In Pakistan right now, people are being persecuted by the Muslim extremists. In Nigeria, we're winning the country over to Christ, and the Muslim extremists are so upset they're burning churches right now. In China, uh, believers are being put into jail, and they're being arrested. They're put into concentration camps similar to what Nazi Germany did and re-education camps. That is happening in your world right now. Go to persecution.org or persecution.com, and you will see that. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Jeremiah complained. Can we blame him? Jeremiah 8, 8 through 13. He says, how can we say we are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when, we act, when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely? The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped, since they have rejected the word of, the, word of God. What kind of wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives over to other men and their fields to new owners. See, that ain't funny right now, is it? If God says, hey, China, as my form of discipline, it's going to come and conquer you, and part of that deal is they're taking your wives. Look at your neighbor and say, that'll make me mad. Come on, give me a distraction while I get a little clean. What happened? Preaching or dripping. Jesus, look at your neighbor and say, I wouldn't like that. Somebody comes and takes your wife. Hey, how are you going to feel about that? Somebody says, I'm going to take your children. Daniel was a child of Israel. They took him to Babylon. The false prophets and priests alike deceived the people. Verse 10, verse 11, they dressed the wound of my people as though it was not serious. Peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they not ashamed of their, of their conduct? And it goes on that he keeps talking about all these things that are going on. And then... You can see here that the Bible, uh, that the Lord says, Oh, my comfort in my, oh, my comforter, verse 18, in my sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people. And then you get into chapter 9, verse 1. And he says, Oh, that my head were a fountain of tears, and my heart of many, many waters. Why does he go from complaining about what is going on to weeping? Because he realizes that there's nothing he can do to change it. The next place we see him complaining to God is in Jeremiah 10, uh, verse 16 and onward. Talks about the people mistreating him. And he says, oh God, you have deceived me. I think I have the wrong passage here. Give me just a second. He says, oh God, you deceived me because when you sent me out to preach, I thought that I was going to see people convert. How many of you felt that when you got saved, God kind of owed it to you for everybody in your family to get saved? And when you started to see people around you not get saved, how many kind of got discouraged in their hearts and said, God, what's going wrong? I thought everybody in my house would get saved. I thought my mom would get saved. My dad would get saved. Look at Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. He says, oh, Lord, you have deceived me. I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I proclaim violence and destruction. So the word the Lord has given me has brought me insult and and reproach. Verse 9, please put that up there. Thank you. But if I say I will not mention his name anymore, his word is like a fire in my bones, shot up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Imagine this. They're throwing you into jail. 
God is saying they're going to take your wives. They're going to take your children. Stop your crying. It's coming because they broke my word. And you begin to say, God, they're now persecuting me. I feel like you deceived me. You told me that they could repent and have a choice, that they would change. But they haven't changed. So I'm just going to stop talking. And the moment he holds it in, the Bible says that like fire of the Holy Ghost comes up in his bones. And he says, I can't hold it in. I have to say the word of the Lord. Is that in your heart today? You see, the lesson we learned from Jeremiah's doubt and complaining is that through his doubt, he kept serving God. And through his complaining, he kept preaching the word of God. Will you keep preaching to your family members even though they don't get saved? Will you keep coming to church even if nobody else goes with you? Will you keep preaching to your coworkers even if they think you're crazy? Come on, somebody say amen. Quickly, how was, Je uh, how was Jeremiah viewed in the New Testament? This is the closing of our introduction. Here it is. He was a great prophet to the people of the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah and his words were looked to as the seal of the prophets, meaning so when they talked about the prophets, they would include them all in the name of Jeremiah. So there's actually quotes out of Zechariah that are attributed to Jeremiah because when they thought of the prophets, if you said Jeremiah, it would include all of them. Basically, if you say, I go to Pastor Joe's church, that means everybody here, but you're signifying the leader there when they talked about the prophets of the old testament they said jeremiah and the prophets are you all listening to me matthew 2 17 through 18 and matthew 16 4 he actually prophesied the place uh, of the church becoming a den of thieves and then lastly in the new testament he was a forebearer of the new covenant he has the only text explicitly mentioning the new covenant jeremiah 31 uh, 31 look there quickly with me he mentions the new covenant explicitly. He was given that honor. Why do you think God gave Jeremiah the honor of explicitly revealing the new covenant? What I mean by new covenant is, is that Jesus would come, the Messiah, and live in men's hearts, and they wouldn't have to have earthly worship, but the spiritual worship would be in their hearts. Why do you think God chose Jeremiah to do that? Because he had suffered the most as a prophet watching that old covenant break down that God said, i got to give him some hope. I've got to give him some hope because all he's seen is the death and destruction of his people. I'll give him the greatest promise I've given any prophet. Even though Isaiah prophesies in 53 and 9, the coming king and Messiah, it is Jeremiah and it's Jeremiah 33, 31 and onward who says, this is the time coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Everybody say new covenant. And with the house of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with them. Everybody say covenant. Thank you. With the house of Israel, after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. Where are we supposed to love God? With all of our hearts and our minds. Amen. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a, ma a brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their sins and wickedness and remember them no more. Jeremiah. This man of history, let me tell you about him now in closing. He came at a time when the people of Judah were disobeying God. The kings were acting wickedly. God said, I'm now going to send a nation to destroy you. Your last chance is the prophecies of Jeremiah. Jeremiah goes out into the people weeping, pleading with them to stop sinning. They don't stop sinning. They persecute him and treat him harshly, though he keeps prophesying. Eventually, King Nebuchadnezzar comes and conquers the land. 
takes their wives and children, brings them back to Babylon. During that time, Jeremiah gives them more prophecies that says, guys, you've blown it. Everything has gone wrong. But there is hope. There will be a new covenant. It is coming. Hold on to it. And in 70 years, you'll come back to this land. God then kept his promise through Daniel. Daniel brought the people of Israel back to the land. And about 600 years later, Jesus Christ was born and the new covenant was initiated. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for this cloud of witness? Amen. This is a man teaching you and I today to pray. That's what he's trying to teach us to do. He's teaching you to pray. Even if things don't get better, you're still to pray. Here's today's message. Look at your neighbor and say, here comes the message. Jeremiah 8, 29 through 3. I didn't get to read it all, so let's just go to Jeremiah chapter 9, 1 and onward. When I was reading chapter 8, I didn't get to read it all. Let's just go to Jeremiah 9, 1 through 3. Here is the message. A broken heart for broken people. How do we pray like Jeremiah? We have a broken heart for broken people. Look at Jeremiah said in chapter 9 as his last uh, pleading with the people. He was known as the weeping prophet. Look what he says. Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. You ever wept at a funeral to the point where you can't weep anymore? You ever been so hurt in life you can't weep anymore? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you wept that way for your city? When was the last time you wept that way because people were going to hell? See, I'm bold enough to believe in our day and age that our church has stopped preaching hell. I still believe it, but here's the point. I do more than just believe it. I do everything in my life to prevent people from going there. Tears come down my eyes in prayer meetings still to this day for the people I know that aren't going to heaven with Jesus. That bothers me, and it's not okay. It's not a funny joke, and I don't tell you to go there. Well, go to hell. I don't want my worst enemy to go there. The Bible says it's a bottomless pit, so you're always falling. It's pitch blackness, so you cannot see. The Bible then says that you are falling in a bottomless pit, and the flames are licking up your body and in a place where your body never dies. So you have a body that can't die. You can't see anything, and as you're falling, it's in a lake of fire. At that point, you gnash your teeth, you gnaw on your tongue, and the memory that you had and things you wish you could forget, you remember perfectly clear every second of every moment. That is hell, away from the presence of God for all eternity and tens of millions of people are going there and it's not okay it's not okay with me that my nation is now a nation that is known for promoting pornography and promoting perversion and provo uh, promoting uh, corruption and no longer the values of God Jeremiah wasn't okay with how Israel was. He said, oh, that my head were a spring of waters, my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a lodging place for travelers so that I might leave my people and go away from them. He said, man, I just wish I could go away from these people. For they are all adulterers, a crowd of unfaithful people. They're cheating on God. They say God will keep your commands on Sunday, but on Monday they're breaking it. Jeremiah's heart was broken. Why? Because his people were broken. You and I can get so consumed with our wants, our needs, our hardships, that we forget that we have the most precious gift that has ever been given to mankind, and that is eternal life. Listen, you will make it through this hardship. This is not the first time America's faced a depression, and it's not the last time that people have had, or going to be the last time we ever face this. People have gone through hardships before. You're going to make it. 
You're not the only one to face a funeral, a hard time in your family. You're going to make it. But listen to me. If you're a Christian, you have the very real hope of heaven. If you are a Christian, then heaven is a real place that is a glorious place to be in the presence of God with all of the angels. And then the Bible says after judgment, after Armageddon, he brings heaven to earth. You will dwell upon this earth forever where the lion and the lamb lay together, where the river of God, the Holy Spirit, flows from the throne of God to the people and brings forth fruit on each side. And the leaves are healings for the nation. You will be with your family there all for eternity. The Bible says this is a real place and it's a hope for us now. But if all you get is your ticket to ride, because you're not on the highway to hell, if you just get your ticket to ride, because you're not on the highway to hell, and you don't do anything about the others, woe unto you. You will face God in judgment day. Ezekiel 33, the warning of a watchman. Ezekiel came after Jeremiah, and he told his people, you know how we got here? He said, because the prophets didn't warn the people. Jeremiah was all alone. There were all these other false prophets. They could have done it, but they didn't. And Ezekiel says, let us never go back to that place again. And do you know what? Even after that Babylonian captivity and all that time, you know what Israel and the Jewish people have never done? They've never worshipped idols again. And so Ezekiel was telling them, don't let your friends go to hell. And so he said in Ezekiel 33, if you don't tell people about heaven and hell and you stand on judgment day, you will go in, but they will go to hell. And God, as a symbol of the sign of your responsibility, will put their blood on your hands. Ezekiel 33, the warning of the watchman. He says God has called all of his people to warn the ones around them. Look at number one. God will judge his people. Why did God speak to Jeremiah about judgment? And then look and see if you see this in America today. For forsaking him. Has anybody in America forsaken God? Losing their all of God? Have people got more infatuated with American Idol and people winning the Super Bowl than they have with God? Does it seem like your coworkers are more concerned with everything being awesome than God being awesome? How about prostituting after idols? Anything you put before God becomes an idol. Not responding to correction. They wouldn't listen. How many times do we have to tell this nation, same-sex sex is a sin? Homosexual, I don't care how much I love you. I care about you. I don't want you to leave. But I've got to tell you, it's a sin. Perversion, sex outside of marriage, it's a sin. We tell them, the preachers are telling them, killing unborn babies is a sin. And yet America's not listening. Young people, the music you listen to influences your mind. You listen to Lil Wayne from the, Cali, uh, the, the Third Ward, the Malfamine Projects from New Orleans. You act like him now while he's living in Beverly Hills. Over 500 murders in Chicago. Stop the violence. How many more times will we warn these people? That is what we're doing as Christians. Are you listening? Some of you today are being warned, but they wouldn't listen. They were denying their sin, right? See, they didn't listen to the correction. What's the next thing they do? They deny their sin. Jeremiah 2.35. You say, because they are being told they're in sin, and you say, I'm innocent. He's not angry with me. I will pass judgment on you because you say I have not sinned. They say back to God, God, I'm innocent. God, didn't you listen to Bill Maher on HBO? He says all these funnies, fundy dundies are just ridiculous. God, didn't you read Stephen Hawkins and Richard, you know, Richard Dawkins and, and Stephen Hitchens and Christopher Hitchens? Didn't you read these atheists? We've already disproven you, God. He says, I've corrected you, and then not only have you not listened, you just think you're innocent. 
And what's the way to get yourself to believe you're innocent? Believe there's no God, believe there's no moral code, and all you have is this life. Humanism is the great denial of God, and humanism comes from Satanism, and it started in the Garden of Eden. You are God. You're in control. Eat this apple. Don't listen to him. It's here today. It was there back then, and people are still talking the same. They love their evil, of course, because now when you don't know right from wrong, you love evil. How many know there's some sins that just feel good? Hello, somebody. Y'all looking at me crazy. How many know sex outside of marriage still feels good? Hello, how many know some of y'all beating somebody up still feels good? How many know getting money illegally still feels good, spending that money? I guess I don't got any sinners up in here, but it's all right. It's tight, but it's right. How many know gossiping makes you feel good when you talk to your friends? How many know telling a lie makes you feel The Bible says that people begin to love pleasure, First Timothy, uh, rather than God. And right now we're living a point where people love their evil. Oh, how dare you tell me I can't be on this Jersey Shore reality show, get drunk and act like a fool because I love it they love their sin does it look like they hate their sin my friends if your toes haven't been stepped on I'm only halfway through they're coming being foolish we are the most uneducated generation in Christianity that we have ever known look at the catechisms of the reformers in the 15th 16th century they had to memorize 15 points about their faith you see that little creed we said they would teach that to five and six year olds they could memorize that by the time a grown man was 30 in colonial America he could recite entire catechisms from memory you think the Puritans were here playing around? Why do you think the pilgrims came and established the nation the way they did? They were religious pilgrims. They understood the word of God. You know what the first book was in our schools? It was the Bible. Where was it held? At the church house. That was the schoolhouse. Are you all listening to me? Why do you think we still swear on a Bible? We became foolish. We think we're the first people to be scientists and deny God. Sir Isaac Newton lived in a time of just rash atheism, and he proved that God's existence was from the minute details of creation. And no matter how much we push it past what we know and to the multiverse and to so on and so forth, we still see God's thumbprint in all we do. Amen? You can talk to people that are much more wiser than I. You can talk to them and read their books. It's amazing how foolish we've become, and we pretend they don't even exist. We follow false prophets. When was the last time you listened to a preacher just because he tickled you and preached to you a half hour and ended on time but didn't get in your life? There's two things that will happen when you leave here. You will know what I said and you will make a decision. Are you listening to me? Don't go to a church where you don't know what he's talking about or he doesn't cause you to make a decision. You're just not, those of you without Christ, you're just not kind of a car with a couple dents and you just need some bondo. You are a jacked up car in the junkyard dead. Jesus Christ died to make you alive. You need to repent and come to him and don't listen to false prophets that for a few bucks and you buy their book tell you it's all right. It's all right. Five of you preaching me, helping me preach. How about the next one? You're offended by God's word. If we can show it to you in this Bible, that settles it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Period. Well, God said he created the heavens and the earth. Well, I don't believe that. I believe this all happened by accident. Now, you can go back and believe nothing created something, or you can believe something created everything. I believe in the Big Bang. I just know who banged it. God said it. Bang! It happened, baby. Oh, my goodness. Hey. Having greedy hearts. Oh, we don't know anybody with greedy hearts in Chicago, do we? Oh, like, no, that's just those guys. 
we have gotten more in debt politically, nationally, individually, corporately. Why? Because it's never enough. It's never enough. I mean, we got to have these do-diddles, these things, and it's at the cost of our children's future, and we don't even pay attention to what we're doing in the, the present, and we're losing everything we have that's valuable. We're working so hard for that flat-screen TV while we're losing our children. We're doing everything we can to send them to the college campus. By the time they get to U of I, they're getting drunk at frat parties, kissing on girls because Katy Perry says it's cool. Twice the sons and daughters of hell they were when they were living at your house, wearing them Walmart clothes. Sending them to college. Don't save them, baby. Only Jesus. Praise God, somebody. How about this? Lacking any shame for their sin. Oh, yeah, Gay Pride Fest is not a time for us to be ashamed of our sin. It's time to be prideful and to exploit our sin. I lived in New Orleans eight years. I've been to the Gay Pride Fest. I've been to 12 Mardi Gras. Somebody say, help them, Lord. I've been hit on by gay guys. I've been, uh, you know, asked to dance with them, if you hear what I'm saying. I, when I first came here, I went to Belmont and Clark every Saturday night. Are you listening to me? It's tight, but it's right. Amen? I can get down with them. I ain't scared. But they ain't got no shame. What, what our grandparents were ashamed of in the 50s, we now call reality TV today. Your grandparents, who might not even have been saved, would have never thought about getting drunk like that in public, kissing on each other in public. They were showing up to dances in schoolrooms wearing suit and ties. And now we've lost all of our shame for our sin. One of the worst things they did was they made his temple a den of robbers. The church, where you were supposed to find salvation, became a place all about making money. Ever seen that? Church is all about your money. It's all about greed. It's all about the pastor driving a Rolls Royce. It's all about him being blessed and you, the minions, lifting him up, hoisting him on your shoulders. Let's make the man of God the man of God because he's the man of God. And they forgot God's laws. How many Ten Commandments can you remember right now? I've mentioned them all throughout the message. How many can you even remember? How many of God's laws do you know, friend? How many do you know? Three? Four? What if I told you, you take the Ten Commandments and Jesus' teachings, you have over a hundred commandments in the Bible you're supposed to file. The moral code of the Old Testament summarized in the Ten Commandments and the teachings of Jesus. How many can you name to me right now? Do you know his command to pray? Do you know his command to love your enemy? Do you know his command to give? Do you know his command to go out and preach the gospel? Do you know Paul's command to raise up your children right? Wives, do you know the command to submit to your husbands? Uh, children here, do you know to obey your parents? Everybody here, do you know obey the laws of the land? Do you know the command to study your word of God to memorize it and to recite it so that it will prevent you from sinning. Psalms 119, how can a young man keep his way pure by hiding your word within my heart? Oh Lord, I will do that to not sin against you. Psalms 119 teaches you this. How many commands are you following? You can probably list them all. God have mercy on us. Number two, what God was judging Israel for, he will judge the whole world for. In Jeremiah 25, 29, this is it and we'll get ready to close here. Jeremiah 25, 29, God says, See, I'm beginning to bring disaster on the city that bears my name. He's talking to the other nations, and he goes, And will you indeed go unpunished? Because, you know, Babylon was all happy. Like, oh, man, here's the guy that predicted our win. Man, we're happy. He says, See, I'm beginning to bring disaster on the city that bears my name, Jerusalem, the city of peace. Will you not go unpunished? You will not go unpunished, for I'm calling down a sword upon all who live on the earth. Where's the sword coming? On all who live on the earth. Where's the sword coming, my friends? Upon all who live on the earth. You ever read the book of Revelation? 
Revelation 19.11. Who's carrying that sword? Is it Barney, Jesus, I love you, you love me? Is it little Dito Jesus that we're going to be putting in our manger? Look at little Dito Jesus. God bless you. I like little baby Jesus. You know, he's so cute in the crib. Look at Jesus. Revelation 19.11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood somebody say dipped in blood and his name is the word of God the armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses dressed in fine linen white and clean out of his mouth comes a sharp what sword with a which with the strike down the what nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads on the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God on his robe and his thigh is written king of kings and lord of lords and I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair come gather for the great supper of God you all even getting this right here Jesus is coming down on a horse, uh, 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 on a horse with his sword, and his clothes are dipped in blood. And an angel says, "Birds, get ready to eat a meal. Get ready to eat a meal." It says, "Come gather for the great supper of God." This will happen, my friends, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses, their riders, the flesh of all people, free, slave, small great now there are people in our culture today that have a problem with the God who's going to judge them kill them and have birds eat their flesh you know why I don't have a problem with it is because if he created this world he can end this world however he wants and today I am pleading with you that you will not be some of those people this is the point I want to make in closing Jeremiah prayed and asked God for mercy even though it didn't come there is an opportunity for mercy to come to us individually, but the promise of revelation is judgment is coming to the whole earth. So no matter how much I ask God to spare America, no matter how much I ask God to help us in this temporary moment, the judgment upon all of us is going to come. It's called the Battle of Armageddon. Are you listening? And so no matter what, prepare yourselves, my friends. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. This is at the end of the age, the miraculous signs that they had did to de delude the people. And then it says they're thrown into the fiery lake. Verse 21, the rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. In summary, as we get ready to close, God will judge his people. God's going to judge the whole world. The new covenant, number three, is the only way of salvation that we read in Jeremiah 23 through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness. Hebrews 8, 6 says that Jesus is the initiator of that new covenant. Therefore, we are to pray like eternal souls are in the balance because they are. Jeremiah was told not to pray at a certain point, but he kept praying. And even then, God blessed him. And by the time of Jeremiah 29, there was hope for after judgment. And now we are told to pray for all people to be saved. Would you stand up to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? Amen. Band, would you come, please? Oh, praise him, somebody. As we're standing, I want you to see 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 and onward. Chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. How many are ready to pray? How many want to go home and live a life of prayer? How many know why this is why I do baby dedications before I preach? <laughs> it's like, no, let's just celebrate the child. Amen. That's okay. Because 
It's life, amen? God is still blessing. Oh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Let this settle into your spirit in closing. Paul speaking. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Who should we pray for? Come on, somebody say everyone. Should we pray for kings? Should we pray for those in authority? And should we pray for your neighbor, co-worker, boss, enemies? It says, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and live in, uh, and live in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. God wants that young person on the streets today, gang-banging, to be saved. The one at the abortion clinic, to be saved. Home Belmont and Clark, to be saved. Little Wayne, Katy Perry's parents are Christians, to be saved. God wants you saved. God wants your children saved. What did he do to prove it? Because it's like, prove it, God, right? It's like, show me how bad you want it. What did he do? He sent his only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. For the world was condemned already. We're already judged, my friends. I didn't judge you today. You've already been judged by the high court of heaven. Jesus didn't come to judge. The Father had already made the judgment. He came that we might live so that whoever believed in him would be saved. Altar workers, would you come, please? Would you bow your head now with me and close your eyes and pray your saints of God here? Everyone, would you just close your eyes and now think to yourself in your heart and examine your own heart. Are you saved? Are you right with the Holy God? Come on. The, the church that you're a part of today, Metro Praise, preaches the gospel every day. We preached it uh, today to you. And now I'm giving you another chance to respond. Are you saved? Do you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Have you been forgiven? If not, we plead with you right now to come to Jesus. You don't have to come to this altar. I just want you where you are to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come on. Just where you are right now. Now, if you might say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I'm not living like I should. With your head bowed and eyes closed, would you repent and make your life right with God? Before we dismiss... Before we do anything else, I want people's hearts to be right with God. Forgiveness is real. Forgiveness is real, my friends. You can be forgiven right now. Jesus. Jesus. Forgive us, oh God. How do you get saved? You confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you want him in your life right now, just say, Jesus, I want you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior.
you're not right with God, you're a Christian, you've gone away, just say, Jesus, I want to live for you holy. I deny myself, pick up my cross, and I will follow you. And now what I want us to do is, those who are saved, the first thing you're going to learn to do in this church now is you're going to start praying for others. And for those of you here that are saved, I want you to let God touch your heart here for a few minutes before you leave. Maybe put tears in your eyes. For those you know, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, co-workers who don't know the Lord, would you ask God to break your heart for broken people? Would you say to the Lord today, Oh God, make my head many waters. Make my heart, God, a fountain of tears because it's not okay. It's not okay. People are dying without you. It's not okay, God. Break my heart, God, for my neighbors, Jesus. They have the American dream, God, but they don't have you, Jesus. They will soon see, God, how empty it all is. They built their house on Spare them, God. Spare them, Jesus. Let them turn from their wicked ways. Save my sister, God. Save my brother, Jesus. Oh, God, they've had the same upbringing as me, Lord. Oh, God, but they don't serve you today, God. Have mercy on them, God. Have mercy on them. Come on. Pray, saints. This is not a library. When he rebuked them and said, this is not a den of robbers, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nation. Let's lift up our voices. God, have mercy. Have mercy on North Korea, oh God, who innocently suffered to the hands of a dictator. Let the gospel go to that nation, oh God, free those people because today, God,
year I've already lost two young people from our church. Oh, God, from violence and drug addiction. God, oh, God. Oh, God, let there not be another. Let there not be another, God. Watch our children, God. Keep them safe, God. Oh, may they honor you, God. May they honor you. May they find you awesome again. May our children, God, stop finding the idols of this media and entertainment-driven culture amazing and awesome. May they find you awesome again. May our children hang on their walls again, the stories of missionaries. May they hear about the saints of old, God, follow their example. Oh, God, take them, God, from this evil age, God. Take their hearts out of this evil age. It's just a vapor, God. It's just a vapor, God. Would you hold somebody's hand next to you right now? We're just going to pray for our communities. Just in closing. Oh, Jesus. Would you pray for the person's hand you're holding on the right and left of you? You may not know their name. You can just say, God bless them. May their family be saved. May their community be saved. May their neighbors know you. May their family follow you. We pray for each other, God. We pray for each other. We are our brother's keeper, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Forgive us, God, when church goes overtime. We don't get as excited as when baseball goes overtime. Forgive us. Forgive us, God, when we can watch God Transformers, a three-hour movie. We can't give it to you. God, forgive us. Because people are so much more valuable than that. They're so much more valuable than that. You're worth so much to God. Those of you who are just hearing my voice, you're worth so much to God. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to family to perish. We pray for you. Someone's holding your hand right now because they love you. They came here today, maybe just like you, but they're praying for you now. You're not alone. God is trying to get a hold of you. No matter how old or young you are, what you've done, what you haven't done, God wants you, and he wants you back. Follow him and let him use your life. Now if everybody could just raise up their own hands and just say this with me. Jesus, give me the heart of Jeremiah to pray for the salvation of the nations. Amen. Can we bless him today? Amen. Would you woo, thank him? Would you grab a seat for 30 seconds? I know you have to go. Our altar workers will come back. We want to do a baby dedication. Is everybody here now? Because I ain't got nothing else to do. Otherwise, we'll just be hanging out us. Come on up here, Jackie, with your family, and Jaden, please. Would you give them a hand clap as they come? Amen. I just want to give this to you. Would you stand right here? And, and are you the father? Amen. What's your name? Robert. God bless you, little Jaden, right here. Some of the sisters and family. You know, the Bible talks about dedicating a child unto the Lord. And what that simply means is that you're saying as parents, God, I'm going to do my part, but it will never be enough. So, God, I need you to do your part. That's simply what it means. It's like you're placing them uh, in God's hands. And uh, the Bible says that if you train up a child while he is young, just like this little guy right here, just like the little guy here, if you train him up in the ways of the Lord when he is old, the Bible says he will not depart. 
so we just, as a church, want to covenant with you that we are going to pray for you. We're going to offer you all the resources that we have. We'll offer you our trampoline uh, that I have in my house. Whenever you're big enough to get the little leg fountain, you ready to talk fountain for Jesus? And we, we offer you everything we have to help you in your journey as parents. And we support you in what you do. And more importantly, we just want to affirm to you that God's in your family. Congregation, would you stretch your hands towards this family right now? And would you stand next to your son? And we're just going to pray. Some of my elders, would you come around, just the immediate family right here? As we're stretching forth our hands, God, we just ask you to bless this dear man, God, that he would be the father you've called him to be, that he would lead by example, Father, that he would obey your commands, Lord, that he wouldn't say, do as I say, but don't do as I do, but he would say to his son, follow in my example as I follow Christ. God, as uh, any good father desires to do that, may make mistakes. We pray that as he does, he will get up, God, shake off the dust and keep going and be that man that this young man can look up to. The greatest example this young man will ever see of a man of God will come from you, sir. And we pray that you will live that out with honor and integrity, that God will bless you with income and provision to provide for his earthly needs and the heart of a father like God the Father to provide for his spiritual needs. And God, we also lift up to you, Jackie that she would be a mother with your heart, Father God, contending, God, for the emotion and the well-being of her child. No one can love a child like a mother or know the pain and emotional distress like a mother. So, God, I pray that her heart will be forever knit to her child. God, not in just the earthly needs, but in the spiritual needs. She'll be able to see when he's discouraged by peer pressure, uh, when he doesn't feel like he can live up to the standards, God, of school or challenges. But, Lord, she'll carry him, God, with her words and her encouragement. She'll be the backbone, God, of his emotions and well-being. And that, Lord, she'll nurture and care for him and love him and set an example, God, of what a godly woman is, so that one day when he wants to seek forth a wife, God, he will say, God, send me a woman like my mother. Send me a woman like my mother who feared the Lord and was a Proverbs 31 woman. And now, Lord, we just ask you to bless little baby Jaden. Keep him healthy and strong. May he always know you and love you. May he be excited for you. And may he change the world for you, Father God, with those cute little eyes. In Jesus' name, can we all say amen? Amen. Bless the Lord. Would you all stand up one more time as we dismiss you? Go in grace and peace. Family is going to stay up here, shake their hand, give them some good godly advice, and we'll see you next week. God bless you. To you all.